The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get The Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 219 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. How you doing? I'm great. Today, we are talking about the fear of missing out, FOMO. <laughs> I am familiar. You are familiar with the FOMO? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> when we were planning this and talking about it, I already said the word FOMO so many times. It, like, I'm already to- tired of the word. Well, didn't we just do an episode where we talked about why everything has to have a cutesy word now? And yes. now here we are yet again promoting a cutesy word, but whatever. With an acronym. I mean, it, is a, it is a real thing, and it, it really is. does affect motherhood and parenting. And so this is a great, a great topic to discuss today. We are doing this as a fun collaboration with our friends over at the Coffee and Crumbs podcast. So our listeners, if you are not familiar with Coffee and Crumbs, you should definitely go check them out. They are also discussing motherhood and FOMO today. Their episodes drop on Tuesdays, just like ours. So go look for Coffee and Crumbs. The hosts are Ashley, April, and Indiana, and you will just love them. And um, they'll have very different things to say about motherhood and FOMO. So we didn't coordinate what to say. We just kind of chose the same prompt to inspire this episode. So yeah, it's kind of fun. Yeah. And if you're coming over from Coffee and Crumbs, welcome. I hope that you guys um, who are new listeners enjoy us. I think that we have like, we have a nice complimentary relationship with them because we talk about the same kinds of things, but from a different angle. So yeah. And our kids are a little bit older. We're in different... areas of the country and all of that. So we should probably introduce ourselves real quick in case anybody's brand new. Like, so tell everybody how many kids you have and stuff. Okay. So I'm Megan and and stuff. I'm Megan. I live in Southwestern Michigan. I have five kids. They are ages 10 through 21. So I've been in the trenches a long, long time. And now I'm in a very different kind of life than, than many of you with little kids. Um, and my four older ones are boys and my youngest is my only girl. So that's fun too. That is very fun. So I am Sarah. I live in Southern California in Orange County. I'm mostly a California person, although I did long stints in Chicago and also Arizona, um, where I had my three babies. They are now 11, 9, and 6 1⁄2. So I am still in the, I'm in the middle years, the elementary school years. I think you're in the gravy years. Yeah, that's what that's what I keep hearing. It's really yeah. good. I it's have, only worse from here. <laughs> one fun fact about me is all three of my kids go to the same school on the same schedule and will be that way for a total of four years. I feel like that's, that's like some kind of accomplishment. And a lot of you out there are probably looking ahead to those days. Yeah. And it's funny. I actually don't think I ever had that that long because I had so many kids that by the time the littlest was in kindy, the oldest was already in middle school. So I'm not sure I ever had all my kids in one school. In fact, I know I didn't. Yeah, that but, would be hard to accomplish with five. But even if yeah. three of your five were. Yes. So. Yes. Now okay. they're in three different schools. Yeah. They well, Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families. But we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. 
Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes wearable well-being for your feet. All right. So Sarah, I think before we jump in, because we have a lot of ground to cover, like a lot of different kinds of FOMO and how it relates to motherhood at different stages. But I think because especially new listeners, maybe who don't know anything about us yet, um, haven't really gotten a taste of our personalities. And so I think it would be really helpful to talk about what inspires FOMO for each of us, which I think is probably very different. Okay. So for me, um, I'm kind of like, I guess if you had to sum me up, people would probably say of the two, I'm the free spirit. That's not always the case, but Mm -hmm. like that tends to be like, I'm the type B or the type A. Um, that's the, you know, the assumption we kind of go with. So for me, like FOMO is kind of comes from this general fear of having to shut any doors or not getting to experience like everything. So like at the end of my life, I think I, it's not regret exactly, but I have this like, almost nostalgia for a life I never had. It's like a weird thing. that So I want to experience more than is physically possible for me to experience in one life. That's part of it. But then on the flip side, there's also this like scarcity thing that I have where like if an, if an opportunity is presented to me and I don't do that thing, I'm not 100% sure there'll be another. Like, there, like I can't see around the next corner to know that there's something else, which is silly because there always is something else. Right. And I know that. But like my gut instinct sometimes is to just take the thing in front of me and make the best of it. Because if I don't, that might be it. Right. This might be as good as it ever gets. Exactly. I think the perfect illustration of this for you, because I know you so well, is how you are with good weather. And so you just have to tell people how you are. (laughs) (laughs) So Megan lives in Michigan where, you know, winters are long and even summers can be temperamental. So you watch the weather app and are just always trying to like, is this as good as it's going to get? Should yeah. I go be in the sun right now? I will. I spend a lot of time this time of year maximizing my life. Um, and have you ever done the quiz that tells you if you're a maximizer or something else? There's no. two. Like there's, that's one of the other, I think it's a Gretchen Rubin thing. Like, so it's like, there's types that are maximizers and then there's the other type. And so the maximizer is always trying to get the best out of any situation, like uh-huh. to like grab the nugget and make the best of it. And so for me, I will look at my day and be literally like, I can't work today. It's like 77 degrees outside. I'm going to go sit on a patio somewhere and have a beer or I'm going to go like kayak or I'm going to, you know, some, I'm going to go to the beach. Like I have to take advantage of this because it might not happen again. And the funny thing is, of course, it's going to happen. It's going to happen, you know, probably 60 more times this summer. Yeah. That there's going to be a really nice day. <laughs> but what if on that day I can't do that thing? Right, right. So, you know, it's like it, it ends up I can I can kind of be very spazzy. Like I'm jumping all over the place trying to make the most of everything. And that sometimes the irony there, or the, I guess the consequence is that you don't really make the most of anything. So that's something that I struggle yeah. with. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, I am exactly the opposite in many of these ways. Um, I would have first said that I am not someone who experiences FOMO in the traditional sense, because you think of 
social occasions and, and not wanting to miss out on fun and, you know, wanting to keep all your options open. And I am sort of the opposite. I actually am quite good at saying no to things. Um, I don't, I'm not saying that is a good thing. Cause I think I can be very self-limiting. Um, I like to know what is going to happen. I like to be able to predict outcomes and control things. And so anybody who relates to that knows you sort of, uh, you put bumpers around your life and your schedule to, to minimize the chance that something's going to go wrong or you're going to feel out of control. And so I think what's interesting about FOMO is you, you do end up missing out and you m- end up missing out because you have placed these careful boundaries around yourself. So I don't know if it's it's less of a fear of missing out and more of a risk of missing out, to be honest, that I have to then think about, OK, like, where can I where can I push myself to actually have a, a wider breadth of experience? So very different. Yeah. And I also want to just quickly talk about the whole we, we have a like a a it's a very much a buzzword or, or a trend um, culturally right now to talk about saying no to things because mm-hmm. you're not obligated to do them. And there is a personality type and I'm one of them. We're not saying yes to things because we feel obligated. I very rarely do things because I truly feel obligated. I do things because I convince myself I want to. Mm. And that's, those are two different motivators. And I think it's important because yes. when we talk about just say no to this, like you can say no. The reason I might be saying yes is not necessarily the same reason you are. And so that it, it, the motivation, you have to come at it differently. Yes. I don't ever feel like I have to do anything ever. It's like, I think I want to do things I don't actually want to do. I think that is such a good distinction. And I don't think I've ever thought of it that way, but you're so right. You are not, you are not someone who does something just because you ought to. I mean, that's not your right. personality at all, but you do like to say yes to things. Um, the other, the other I think piece that fits in with my personality type and maybe people can relate is I think there's sort of a FOMO inherent in perfectionism. So if you, I am someone who thrives on doing things really, really well. Um, and so the, the fear of missing out is on missing out on doing it perfectly. perfectly. It's like, no, I see that. Do you see what I'm saying? So it's, I might, I might say no to something or say yes to something based on whether I think I can do it really well. And the fear then is, is not doing it well or, or putting myself, you know, at risk of messing up or screwing up. And so, yeah, I think that's, I think it's all related. Well, that definitely plays out in our business relationship because things come my way and I'm like, sounds fun. Let's do it. And you're like, but can we really do it well? And there's always, always, you're like the little angel on my shoulder or maybe the <laughs> devil on my shoulder or both depending uh-huh. on the day. Right. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I always, you're so good. Cause I always have to say that. I always have to say, yeah, yeah but like, should we really do this? And you're like, yes, of course we should. That's so funny. <laughs> so funny. Um, well, should we talk about some like big picture types of FOMO that come up in motherhood? Yeah. Okay. For sure. um, I have one I want to start with. And this was one that I just experienced at a real visceral level. Um, and so longtime listeners, you might remember this story, but when I had my first baby, I was about 28. I was working full time in kind of a mid-sized corporate situation. I loved my job. Um, I had a lot of growth opportunity and I was the primary breadwinner of the, the two of us, my husband and I. And so I thought I was for sure going back to work full time. And I also didn't really think about it that much. I just didn't know any stay at home moms. I, I just figured that's what I would do. And then I had my baby and I just remember being up at night just in tears hormonally, I put off choosing a daycare because I just, I like had a mental block against all of a sudden I didn't want to go back to work full time. And it really threw me for a loop because I thought that that's what I was going to do and thought that's what I wanted. Um, and so I just kind of had the, like this series of conversations and, you know, crises where I figured out that there was a way for me to go back and work part-time and it ended up being really great and perfect. And I did it for a couple of years till I had my second baby and then things changed again. Um, but I think this, this either or thinking about, um, whether and how much to work, especially in new motherhood, whether you have a choice to or not. And, and a lot of people may not have a choice, but there is so much fear of missing out on both sides, right? Both if sides, you, yeah. and, and even if, like you said, you're saying yes to the thing you really want to do, there can still be FOMO. You can choose to be staying home full time because that is absolutely what you feel you want to be doing. And you can still have FOMO for, for that work life that you are transitioning out of, or that you miss, or that you're wondering if you'll ever get back. And then the flip side, if you are working full time out of choice or out of necessity, 
there's crazy FOMO about what you might be missing at home. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't know if there's a more fraught one. I don't, and I don't know how that played out for you. It it never. And the thing is, it's crazy. It doesn't ever really go away. So I've, I've kind of gone in and out. And I think this is so true for most of us. Like it's, it's painted as the static choice, but it's not, it's hardly ever like that. Right. Like right. most of us move in and out of the paid workforce as we add to our family in various ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, like I started off, I was a very young mom. So I think I was like, I think I stayed home for like the first six months because literally it would have cost me more to work than, you know, to like pay for daycare and stuff. And then I started working, I was um, going to school and I was also like waitressing at night. And then I had like a work at home job for a while. Then I was working in an office. Like I did all of the things when my kids were little. And finally, when I had my third was when I really launched my career um, writing at the time. And from then on, I was basically working from home. And in no time was I ever fully satisfied with where I was, even though I was always happy. Like I'm pretty Mm -hmm. adaptable. Like when I was working in an office, I was happy to be working in an office. When I was at home, I was happy to be at home. And then working at home was my big dream. And Mm -hmm. I got it. I like made it happen. And I was very proud of that. And I I was very proud of my career. And, and even then, even now, even now that my kids are older, I sometimes think longingly about, you know, putting on the heels and Mm -hmm. like the, the, the dream of like going into an office. And I've done that and it turned out it wasn't really for me, but mm-hmm. <laughs> I had enough FOMO that I wanted to try it. And on the flip side, I'd never really got to be a traditional stay at home mom. There was like a six month period right at the beginning when I was really at like an at home mom. Otherwise I've always cobbled together something else. Mm-hmm. Like I've always been an at home mom who also does X. Mm-hmm. And there, I have had those moments, um, especially when my, you know, my kids were really little where I'd be kind of sitting, like looking longingly at the moms who can hang out at Mm -hmm. the gym longer than I can, Mm -hmm. or, um, who can get together after the gym for coffee. And Mm -hmm. I have to go home now and work, or they get to go, you know, they, they can go to the play groups, they can do all the things and that's their job. And Mm -hmm. I never really got to have that. And there's still, I still have a little pang. Like it's, it's like wanting that life I didn't have. It's not even like, for me, it was never really about what, cause I didn't really think one would end up being, you know, like my kids would end up better off necessarily right. one way or the other. It was more about me and like the way I wanted to relate to them mm-hmm. and my life with them. And so, yeah, it still happens sometimes. And my kids are old. Yeah. I, <laughs> I, I have kind of almost experienced a second wave of it as, so last year, my youngest went to kindergarten full time. And as I mentioned, same school. So, mm-hmm. you know, about 20, 25 hours a week, full-time school. And I, our business was ramping up at the same time. And I didn't even, there was no looking back. In fact, I, I almost like preloaded up on work the year before that. So that by the time they were all in school full time, I was like, thank goodness. Cause I've been working 30 hours a week right. already. And, um, I never, I never had that time to be like, oh, what would I be doing if I were more stay at home mom? Like, would I be in the classroom more? Would I? And again, like right. you and I know I'm very happy with my work situation right now, but there's always that that other side. Um, so that brings me to another kind of FOMO that you brought up that I find so interesting and I want you to describe it. But I I'm calling it identity, motherhood identity FOMO. And it's more mm-hmm. about less about working, staying home, but more about the type of mom you might have envisioned yourself to be and kind of having to say no or say goodbye or, (laughs) or opt out of, of that vision. Can you, can you describe it? Yeah. Well, so for myself, like, and this probably goes along with my personality, I have always been very, people would say to me, like, do you think of yourself as like a city person or a small town person or a country person? I'd be like all of the above. Like (laughs) I want to do all of those things. And so I really, at different times of my life would let myself go down these kind of like rabbit hole of dreaming about being this thing. And one of those, I had a very like distinct memory or a very distinct fantasy of being this homeschooling mom out in the country with like chickens and goats and probably seven kids who are running around the farm all day, dirty at all times. (laughs) And like, you know, like I live in an old farmhouse. Like I totally was all in on that to the point that at like when my two oldest were very small, I spent a lot of time researching like, living off the grid. Like I was really serious about it. And I don't think, um, for new, new listeners, I'm divorced. And I don't think my husband at the time, and I would have that, I don't think that's something we would have done well together. So I'm glad we didn't go down that path. Um, but it was like a fun thing for me to think about and to just kind of get lost in. And at some point I had to go, I can't even, cause I did homeschool for one year. And I was like, I can't even get through a day as a homeschooler. So none of this is not going to work because I have other things I also really want to do that don't fit, um, with that thing. 
I remember having when Jacob was my Jacob's my oldest when he was a little baby having this very distinct fantasy about living in a big city in like a walk up or like a high rise mm. with maybe two kids and my like, you know, my fancy, like very compact stroller and be bopping around the city with two little ones doing all the museums and the art stuff and like all that. Like that was another very distinct fantasy mm-hmm. I had. I had a fantasy about living overseas with my family and never coming back. So like I had all these diff- definite like thoughts about these types of people, types of family lives that I could have or would want to have. And I think what I realized is like, here I am. I've been living in the same small town for 10 years, going on 11. Mm -hmm. Um, And we have a very nice, normal, small town life. (laughs) My kids go to public school. Mm -hmm. I work from home. I've done really cool things. I do a lot of really cool, fun stuff. But like those things just didn't work out. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean I can't ever live in the country and have goats and chickens. It's just not going to be at the same time I have toddlers and preschoolers. And it doesn't mean I can't ever live in a city in a high rise, but it's just not ever going to happen when I have a baby, like a baby. It's just yeah. those things were not going to coincide, I guess. Do you know what this reminds me of is like the game MASH that you played at sleepovers when yes. you were growing up and, you know, there was different jobs and different types of people you married. And um, I think it was much easier for me to try on those imaginary future lives before I had kids. Um, as you're talking, I'm trying to think if I have an equivalent of different family life fantasies that have created some FOMO since I've had kids. I think less so than you. I think I did that more pre-kids. Like, am yeah. I going to be a writer living in New York? Am I going to be a dancer? Am I going to, you know, and I, I could, I can kind of could tell you how each of those played out, but it's almost yeah. like once I had kids, <laughs> I you settled down figured, on the straight and narrow. Well, and, and we just did the episode the other day, the more than mom, where we talked about yeah. some of those fantasy lives yeah. that might have been right. So that would be a good place to go yeah. back and listen as well. Yeah. But like, I think that the, I had kids look a lot younger than you, mm-hmm, that's but true. I also, but I also am very like, I can turn on a dime. So if I'm like, I can be on a path. And then if I see another path and someone else is enthusiastic about it. Like, I think for me, like choice of partner would have made all the difference Yeah, because if I could have wound up in any of those lives, mm-hmm. if somebody else was like, you know, it sounds like a good idea. I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> right. But because this is the one that ended up being the simplest and the easiest for everybody. And it just, it's what happened. And yeah. I love my life and I wouldn't change anything, but it is interesting. Like, there is a touch of FOMO. Yeah. Yeah. Around all those things. No, I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that. So let's move on and talk about kind of classic social FOMO. And, um, this could be defined as everyone's at the party except me and the party, mm-hmm. <laughs> the party could be fill in the blank. I think in, um, new motherhood, especially it's things, a lot of image related things. Everyone's kids are wearing cuter clothes than mine. There's a lot of this overlaps a lot, I think, with jealousy and comparison. Um, It feels like there's a lot of overlap to me, but it does it does seem like everybody's doing this thing and I can't or don't have enough money or don't want to. I mean, sometimes Mm -hmm. like we don't even know if we want these things, but all of a sudden in new motherhood, it feels like everyone is doing them. Is that something you experienced? Oh, my goodness. For me, it was probably being like the ultra natural mom. I really, really wanted to do that Mm -hmm. and um, was able to eventually get okay with incorporating the things that were important to me and letting everything else go. But that took me a long time. Mm -hmm. The professional and family photos. Yes. Like fancy vacations. Never. I didn't really ever care about that. Um, The amazing kid birthday parties. That was almost more like a like a very quickly passing fancy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like I'd go, wouldn't that be nice? But before the word nice even comes out, my brain is already going, eh, that already sounds like a lot of work. But I, I don't know about you, Sarah, but for me, there was like almost a tipping point or a switch that flipped where suddenly I just didn't care anymore. And I, I think it was maybe around the third kid mm-hmm. when I was just like, that's, I'm not going to do those things. And I can't care about that. And I need to like, just stop thinking about it and fixating on it. Like the busier and fuller my life got with things I wanted to be doing, the less I worried about what other everybody else was doing. Oh, I think that's such a good point. So maybe it's when we're at our most vulnerable. I think like tied up in FOMO is this belief that not only am I missing out, but that 
everybody else has it figured out. So right. I'm like missing out on a, it's a, it's bigger than missing out on a party or a fad or, yeah. you know, for me, there's a lot of like home, home stuff is kind of where I still get FOMO. Like I just, you know, my home doesn't look like the way you want it, the to. way I want it to. And <laughs> yeah. I don't cook the meals that other people cook and they still manage to like be nice to their kids and make dinner. And how do they do that? That's what um, you think. <laughs> right. <laughs> But I think it is, it's the, it's the fear of missing out, not just on that experience, but on the experience of having it figured out. And of course, what we, what we know now is that they don't really have it figured out. And that very much plays into your personality, which is the having it figured out part. Right. Yeah. Well, like there must be an answer and Mm -hmm. I must be missing it. And that really is, that's where my FOMO really comes from is like, there's something out there that I don't know how to do yet. And I must, I must know. So do you ever get social? Now you're much more extroverted for new listeners here. um, Again, we're kind of playing to our opposites. We actually have a lot in common too, but um, we're playing up the opposites today. Megan's definitely an extrovert, a fun lover. You're very social. Does social FOMO come up for you now in the form of like, um, forget kids and motherhood for a second, but just you see that people are out or the weather's good and you wonder what's going on. And um, like, how does that feel to you now? I'm thinking about this. You would think so, but no. Okay. I think for me, I tend to make things happen when I want them to. Mm. So it plays out a little differently. I think I almost pre-FOMO. I believe there will. Okay. So here's an example. This week, um, I, and I, and I know we were going to get into later, like kind of where these behaviors, like the behaviors that can come up, Mm -hmm. but I'll just tackle this one right now. I have, I'm in rehearsals for a show I'm directing and I get out pretty late at night. And I'm amped. Like by the mm-hmm. time I get out of these rehearsals, like they're dress rehearsals and they go late and I'm directing a bunch of teenagers. And when I get out, I am like, whoa. And I don't have my kids the half of the week. So I would come to a day when I knew that I was going to have like part of the evening used up, the part when all of my friends would be available, right? Because right. they all have kids and they don't stay up like till 1130 on mm-hmm. a Wednesday, for most of the part, for most part. And I would start to get all anxious. Like I'm going to get out of rehearsal. I'm going to be super amped. And I'm not going to have anyone to hang out with because everyone's going to have gone to bed and I'm going to be lonely. So it's not like they're all off doing something without me. Yeah. It's almost like I'm pre like I'm pre planning that I'm going to be lonely mm-hmm. and bored and they're all going to be asleep. Right. Like there's nothing. I'm like the lack of the party is what's giving me FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> I'm missing out on something that's not even happening. And so I would start kind of bending myself into all these pretzel shapes, trying to figure out what I can arrange to do at 1130 on a Wednesday. Um, so that I won't be. And the funny thing is I just went to bed. Right. That is <laughs> and it the was simplest fine. conclusion is <laughs> right. often the best one. Right. I just went to bed. It was fine. Like I read a little bit. Yeah. But so for me, it was like the fear of missing out on something that doesn't exist. And yeah. how do I create it? Like, how do yeah. I make this thing that maybe I don't even need? Yeah. 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 That's so, so it's a little different. I don't typically get like the everyone is doing X, Y, or Z without me because somehow my brain believes, even though I know it's not true, that if I really wanted that thing, I could get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you are, I mean, I think that is your personality. You are often the center of the fun. So it would follow that if you wanted that kind of fun, you could go have it. So yeah, I think that's logical. But I just have to find the other people and they're all asleep. <laughs> Dang it all. Well, you're still awake because you're on such, you're on uh, Pacific time. I know. But that's like, you know, that's like your evening. Yeah. I, I feel like I've been very needy this week, like boxing you late at night and stuff. So <laughs> I'm, I'm good at uh, putting my phone away and I don't even know. Um, well, not surprisingly, I don't really experience social FOMO because I really you want to go to bed like to go to bed and stay home <laughs> yeah. I'll just leave it at that um, yeah. before we take our break I want to talk about another it's kind of a big category but I think a lot falls under it and that is I have a new acronym for you do you see it here in our outline it's pretty great this is the fear oh, of yes <laughs> Fumku or Fukmo Fukmo, Fukmo. Fukmo. It sounds like it should be inappropriate, but it's not. It's the fear of our kids missing out. And this is something I see a lot. My kids are elementary school age, so we're at the height of activities and academics being um, being acquired rapidly, right? Like we could try soccer, we could try Taekwondo, yeah. we could take piano. Um, and I live in a really a pretty competitive parenting culture in Orange County. I love where I live. Um, and I'm not even saying I'm not part of it. I'm sure I am somehow, but it's pretty amped up 
Um, and so I think this is something just to be aware of. I think every family responds differently. And I'm, I'm not saying that if you do put your kid in piano at age three, that that's a bad thing. That might be the great thing for your kid and your family, but I think it is a slippery slope of, um, putting our kids in activities and academics out of the fear. It's not just the fear of them missing out. It's almost like the fear if that if you don't do it now at this young age, mm-hmm. X, Y, Z will happen. And that X, Y, Z is like this very, we've, we've done episodes about this, about kind of the pressure on young kids academically. The X, Y, Z is like, wait, how, at what cost? Like we're right. trying to make sure that they can play competitive club soccer when they're nine. So we're making them do it when they're four. But like, is that really what they want? Is that what we want? This is like a whole topic, but I just want to throw it out there because it really is FOMO. It's fear of our kids somehow missing out on or getting to the party late. Maybe it's not, maybe it's not missing, but it could also feel like missing out because there is this idea that if you don't get on it, it's that door has closed. And honestly, in some cases that's true. Like if these days, if your kid is not playing travel ball by the time they're what, nine, 10, then they probably aren't going to play on a high school team. And that is it's too bad. It's unfortunate. Right. Um, but so what is sometimes the I feeling think, that I have, like, <laughs> I think know, so like, too. This I am, yeah. I'm all about that. So what, and I'm the reason our listeners know I get kind of fired up about this topic on our show is I, I feel like if you don't train that, so what muscle early on in motherhood, yes. you can accidentally become one of those parents you never thought you'd be, <laughs> which, because, yeah. cause it's such a pervasive pressure situation that even if you set out with all the right intentions, the you culture, just get caught up, you in get it. caught up in it. So yeah. that's why I kind of get fired up because it has to, it starts earlier than you think. So, yeah. um, I'll speak to that on yeah, my, on my side because I have older kids now. So I definitely had a lot of that when my kids were probably like early elementary school aged, um, for me less about sports because I'm not, a, I don't care as much personally about sports. Although I did want my kids to be athletic if they wanted to be, and they all dabbled, they all played baseball or soccer or something Mm -hmm. for a little while. Um, But for me, I think it was more like music and artistic stuff. And, you know, I kind of just missed out on making sure my kids took piano lessons. Like they weren't really interested in theater and and choir when they were younger. And I, I kept trying to figure out how to get them in there. And I kept feeling like I was failing. Like what was the class or the thing that they were supposed to have been exposed to, to give them this Mm -hmm. desire or drive or talent that they now don't have. You know, I I still think to myself every now and then, like if only I had taken dance classes when (laughs) I was a kid, um, where could I be now with it? So the funny thing is my kids now, like the oldest ones are all the way through high school. And my, even my middle two, my younger two boys now are, they're going to be going into eighth and 10th grade. So they're like a pretty far down the path. Yeah. Just in the last year, my 15 year old son decided to pick up the guitar and start playing it. His older brother decided around the same age to pick up a guitar and start playing it. They have like, they have a band. Well, they, my younger, my 15 year old has a band. My older son plays with a friend. Clara has been making awesome art in her room mm-hmm. and all I do is buy her supplies. Mm-hmm. Um, Owen took up like competitive yo-yoing. I guess my point is I didn't really do any of those things. Like those aren't things I made them do or right. even really expose them to beyond my own interest. And they just did it. Mm-hmm. I, the, the world offers kids a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And I do think eventually they'll gravitate toward the thing that's right for them. Mm-hmm. And if you support them and for that might mean buying an instrument or like that could mean a variety of things, but yeah. I just don't think we have to like feel like there's this window. Right. Cause I missed the window. Yeah. Right. But my kids figured it out on their own. I love that. And I also love thinking about the flip side of the, of any FOMO, but in particular, this kind of kid FOMO, the flip side, if we're putting them in these pressure situations out of the fear of missing out, what they're actually missing out on, and I could go on and on about what that is, but free time, sleep, relaxation, time at home, you know, the ability to figure out what they want to do. Yes. Like being bored, like the list goes on and on The missing out on that also has consequences. So if that helps to think about it that way. So anyway, again, that is a big topic and we've covered it before, but I, it occurred to me how closely tied it is to FOMO. And I got to use a new acronym called FUCMO. (laughs) But I think to me, FUCMO sounds like something Marie Kondo would do. Yeah, it does. It does have a Kondo like ring to it. (laughs) 
We are welcoming back Ritual as a sponsor today. Megan, we both try to make healthy choices, but you know, sometimes it's tricky to sort through fact and fiction when it comes to supplements and vitamins to figure out just what they're doing for us. That's why I'm glad Ritual keeps studying their products and sharing the results, especially as it relates to women, since women are the focus of all Ritual's products, including the Essential for Women 18 Plus Multivitamin. And the results are super reassuring. Just as an example, Ritual conducted a university-led clinical trial for their Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin, and it was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% and omega-3 DHA levels by 41% in just 12 weeks. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus multivitamin is made with high-quality and traceable key nutrients in clean, bioavailable forms with nine key nutrients in two capsules per day. Plus, they are leading the industry when it comes to sustainability. They use lower carbon packaging and prioritize sustainably sourced ingredients. That kind of thoughtfulness really matters to me. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash the mom hour. Start Ritual or add the Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash the mom hour for 25% off. Sarah, we're welcoming our sponsor, Element. That's spelled L-M-N-T, a zero sugar electrolyte drink that leans on current science about what our bodies really need in order to deliver the most effective hydration possible. You know, Sarah, Eric is really into keeping up with health research, and he's been insisting to me for years that we actually need more salt to stay hydrated. Turns out Element agrees because they've developed their product based on a growing body of research that shows that for optimal health outcomes, we actually need to be taking in sodium levels at two to three times government recommendations. That's a big difference. Yeah, it really is, Megan. And, you know, electrolyte deficiency or imbalances can cause headaches, cramps, fatigue, brain fog, and weakness. I know I can feel really rotten when I'm dehydrated. And also, I don't love the taste of plain water, so I'm not that great about drinking it. Element makes a huge difference in how much I'm enjoying my hydration and in how I feel, and it's super easy to fit it into my daily routine. My favorite flavor of Element is the grapefruit, but if that's not for you, we're going to get you set up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite Element flavor. Plus, Element has a no-questions-asked refund policy. You don't even have to send the product back to get your refund. Yeah, you can receive a free Element sample pack containing one packet of eight flavors. So you'll get eight total packets free with any order when you purchase through our custom URL. That's drinkelement.com slash momhour, D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and it's available for both new and returning customers. To get that offer, again, go to drinkelement.com slash momhour. Okay, so before we go on, I feel like, these things like bump up against other concepts. Yeah. And when we, especially when we talk about image things, like when you watch social media and you get jealous of people for their vacations or whatever it is, there is FOMO and there is kind of this keeping up with the Joneses, which can also be that competitive parenting yeah. achievement. So what is the difference? Cause there is a difference. I think there's a difference. And I, when we were preparing for this, I found myself kind of thinking about, wait, is this more about competition and keeping up with the Joneses? And I think, first of all, I think new motherhood is a time where you're vulnerable to both of these things. And I right. think there's some overlap, but I think there's a difference. I think to me, the difference is that FOMO usually represents something, something that you really do want. Now, maybe it might be misplaced FOMO. Like you were talking about, like, do you actually want to go out at 1130 at night on a Wednesday? Or is it more about wanting to make sure that your friends are available and engaged with you, whatever. But FOMO at its core probably represents something that you really do want, um, or that is important to you. Whereas keeping up with the Joneses often has nothing to do with what you actually want and more just what society people to think that Mm -hmm. you have or are able to get. The other thing that I think is really, this really plays into new mother motherhood is that and it's almost like a third category that's in there. So it's like, you truly want it, but you've also been convinced it is the best thing for your baby. And you're in such a vulnerable place, Mm. your baby or small child, that like it becomes very difficult to discern between what matters and what doesn't, what's really important down the road and what won't be like, you know what I mean? So it's like all of these, like you feel like you want the thing 
because somehow you've been convinced that wanting the thing makes you a better mom. Yes. Getting the thing makes you a better mom. And via those two things, now you look like a better mom. So you get the status. It's like all of those, they kind of all meld together. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And all of that is, makes it so hard to tap into or remember what you actually want. I mean, that's, I think what one of the you know, really struggles of early motherhood is all of those things conspire to just cloud and drown out the simplest, the simplest things, which is what's best for my family and what do I really want? And that sounds so simple, but yeah, I think both FOMO and keeping up with the Joneses or competition can kind of cloud those. So it's good. You you know, I think you and I have always in this show come back to like a couple of concepts. Um, One of them being that we're not doing things because it's, the thing that feels the best today or because it's what people around us are telling us to do today. But like, what are, what do we want to have done in a year or three or Mm -hmm. five or 10 years? And then the other one is anytime we're doing something because someone else thinks it's a good idea, we're probably making the wrong choice. Like if every, anytime, I feel like I've said that now on the show a hundred times, but anytime I find myself with a choice and I make the choice based on what I think someone else will think it's the wrong choice. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's worth saying a hundred times on this show. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Um, okay. Well, I thought it would be interesting to talk about what kind of behavior for us, you and me specifically, but also moms in general, when we feel this pang of FOMO, what kind of, um, what kind of behavior comes out in us? And I don't mind going first. Cause I think mine yeah. will be very different. Um, but anytime I feel stressed or threatened in some way, um, but my reflex behavior is to try to control things. Um, and one of the things I thought of, and we didn't talk about this in the first half, but I have a very specific kind of FOMO around my kids and that is information FOMO. And I guarantee there are some of you out there, Megan, you can laugh and others can laugh, but I I know there's others of you out there like this. And what I mean by information FOMO is I don't like to miss uh, like announcements and information that come from school. I don't like to not have prepared or read the newsletter. And I think in times of when I'm chill, it doesn't rear its ugly head. Like it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, I can keep up. And in fact, having three kids is great because I'm so busy that I really do miss stuff. And I realize it's not the end of the world. It's going to be okay if I didn't read the class newsletter, but as a general rule, my personality tries to like obsessively collect all that information. And I was telling you before we recorded Megan, that I have a really hard time missing out on a, any kind of an information session. And I'm laughing because it's like, that's not a fun thing to go to. It's not like a well, party. I'm just, I'm just smiling. That's I'll, I'll, I know. I'll chime in in a minute. I know. <laughs> I know. Cause this is, we're so different, but I, I was thinking about it. It comes from a place of kind of anxiety about if I don't have all of the right information, I can't do the right thing. Right. It's coming back to very much like my personality and how that works. And so it will look like, you know, obsessively checking all the boxes and making sure I've read everything. And, you know, Allegra is going to sleep away camp in four weeks or whatever. No, maybe three weeks. But I mean, the, the packing list has been printed and she and I've looked at it together multiple times already. So it looks to me what it looks like. If I'm like the therapist on the outside looking at myself, it looks like kind of obsessive preparation for something that um, I'm, that is anxiety producing. So anyway, that's just, it's so different than I know what you're going to talk about that. I thought I would throw it out there. (laughs) Well, what what strikes me and I like, I like lists of things. Um, but like I resist looking at anything before I have to, because to me, the FOMO is like using life energy on Uh something that I don't need to use it on. And there's like, I have a real weird resistance around that. So I don't like to be late. Like I like to be prompt if someone's expecting me and if I feel like there's a good reason for me to be there at that time. Yeah. If, but for things where I'm, there's an obligation for me to show up to something at what I feel is an unreasonably early time, Mm -hmm. for example. Yeah. I will start to get anxious about what I could have been doing with that time better and will actively resist being on time. Like I will actively come up with other things to do during that time just to almost prove that I could use the time better. <laughs> you don't want your time wasted. Like your no. FOMO is about somebody else taking that time that could have been better spent. Yes. Yeah, I totally get that. I mean, it's not yeah. how I am, but I totally get but it's that. Like, it's like two, it's like, so th- it plays out very, very differently. And it could make you look obsessive or rigid, yeah. I guess. And it could make me look lackadaisical or inconsiderate. And I think it's just because we're both in our own heads about the way mm-hmm. that we want to manage our time. And I think this is very much a motherhood thing because- 
we have limited time. We have to make the most of it. And for you, making the most of your time is making sure you've crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's and done it right so you don't have to do it again. Right. And for me, making the most of my time is fitting everything in. Yeah. Yeah. No. (laughs) Making all the pieces go together. Yeah. No, I think it it kind of perfectly fits with our two personalities. Okay. Yeah. Um, So a few more, I think, behaviors that FOMO can bring out in everybody. Um, One, and we touched on this with the kids' activities, but um, even with little tiny kids, I think FOMO can make you or cause you to put your kids in situations that they don't feel great about. And that's kind of, it can be kind of a bummer. I'm thinking of like, if you have FOMO about, um, having like making sure your holiday is perfect, for example, and we've all done this, you might look back and realize like you forced your kids into matching outfits, made them stay up way past their bedtime and everyone turned out. Okay. I am not suggesting that you somehow scarred your kids for life, but as a pattern, if we get into this pattern of letting FOMO rule our decision-making, it can mean that we're putting our kids in situations where they're, you know, they're overtired, they're cranky, they're not having fun at what cost. Right. Right. So that's the, again, I'm not, I'm not out to say anybody did the wrong thing by we've all done it. Yeah. We've all done it, but that's what, that's a behavior it can bring out. Um, let's see, do you have any? Oh, I have several that are kind (laughs) of about, about me personally, but, but I think a lot of people will relate. So, um, we already talked. So experience FOMO, which for me is the kind of FOMO where I just want to do all the things, mm-hmm. um, can make me say yes to things that, because I want to, but then to feel like I'm not doing them well, like yeah. to feel like I've taken on now so much that the really important things to me, like it's kind of the urgent versus the important. Mm-hmm. I take on the thing that's right in front of me. That's, that's finite that I think, Oh, I could do this because I can, like I, I can, I can juggle a lot of balls. But then there's like the important underlying things that I somehow am not getting to. Mm-hmm. Then those things never go away. That's one thing I, because I'm such like a project-based person, like I'm a person who like the thing in front of me is what I'm really good at doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but the maintenance stuff sometimes slips. Mm-hmm. So I'm really good at knocking something out because I have to. But then there's a lot of things that I don't maybe necessarily have to do right. that I should be doing, right. right? That like are really important things. Um, and they tend to get short trips. So that's one. Yeah. Um. Social FOMO, I talked a little bit about this um, earlier, but like sometimes it it needs, it leads to me putting what I perceive as other people's social needs, which often are just my social needs in disguise. <laughs> Anyone in Enneagram person out there? Yeah. We did a whole episode about it, but I'm a two. And I tend to, I sometimes project my need for social, uh, I don't know, interaction. Validation. Feedback, validation as someone else needing it and then go out of my way to deliver on that need when Mm -hmm. it's really just my own want. Mm -hmm. It's a weird circular, like circular pattern I get myself into, but, but I really have a bigger, a very strong need for solitude and quiet too. And I don't always, um, honor that, always honor that need. And then I guess the third would be identity FOMO when I'm wishing that I was the, you know, homeschooling mom in the country, skipping around with my chickens and goats, I can fail to look around at what I do have and really be happy and satisfied with it. And I think that's something probably everybody can relate to. I think everyone can relate to. And like we said, it can kind of cloud like the fact that you actually have what you mostly wanted right in front of you. Right. Exactly. Um, I was just going to throw it out there that FOMO can make you spend money and time on things that you don't necessarily want or need. And I mean, everything from the target trips that are relatively superficial, but also, you know, like bigger, bigger things too. And that goes back to the keeping up with the Joneses, but it can definitely affect our, our behavior patterns around how we spend time and money. And then I'm glad you touched on that kind of not appreciating what you have, because the other one I made a note of was FOMO can really like take you right out of the present moment. And I know Mm. that's a catchphrase that we hear all the time and But if you are experiencing FOMO, really experiencing it, you're not in the present moment. You're either future casting about what you could be doing and trying to figure out how to get that thing. um, Or you're looking back and or like having some kind of regrets about the past. So you're not not in the present. So, yeah, that, that too. Um, Those are all bad things. I know. FOMO makes us bad. Darn it all, FOMO. (laughs) Well, then let's shift gears a little bit and talk about some ways, some healthy ways to cope with FOMO. So does anything come to mind that has worked well for you? I feel like you you seem like you've thought about this. Yes, I do. I think about it a lot, actually. So for me, look, whenever I find myself in a pattern, um, because I'm so action-oriented, I'm not the kind of person who is paralyzed by things like FOMO. I'm the opposite. So I'm the person who 
would take any uncomfortable like discomfort or opportunity and use it as a springboard to do something. Mm -hmm. So I'm better when I don't sometimes do things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the better choice for me is just to notice it and like go, why do I want to do this? Do I want to do this thing? Is this actually something I need? Is this something that, um, that actually is this, you know, shiny penny in front of me or this like flashy thing that I'm going for? Is that the thing that's going to support the life I want? Or Mm -hmm. is this boring thing this call that I have to make mm-hmm. actually the thing that, that I won't actually see any results from mm-hmm. <laughs> like ever, maybe like I, I have to make this call. It's super boring. This is like a detail of my life. I don't want to deal with. I'm going to make this call and I'm not going to feel any rush. There's not going to be a dopamine hit. Mm-hmm. No, it's not going to do anything for me except create more of a foundation for the mm-hmm. life that I want. And mm-hmm. I just have to trust that that's happening, even though I don't see it. It's like this weird. So it's just for me, it's talking to myself like yeah. constantly. Yeah. And just just going like, why am I doing this? Right. Why am I making this choice? Why am I saying yes to this thing? And I've gotten way, way better at it with age, but it takes. Yeah, it takes time. No, I think that's yeah. so good. Um, I was going to say finding ways to recognize and appreciate the the things in front of you. I know we've all heard that a gratitude journal or some kind of gratitude practice is healthy. And I think there's even science behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so whatever that looks like for you, I think it can be as simple as writing stuff down every day or just noticing the things around you that not only are great, but are exactly what you wished for when you were having FOMO yeah. 10 years ago, because you wanted a house full of kids and this like wonderful chaotic life of driving kids around and play dates. And that was like, you had the FOMO for the thing yep. that you have now. And now and, you have it. Yes. And now you have it. So, um, I don't, have a specific gratitude practice that I can recommend. And it's probably something, I mean, that I think we all benefit from it, but I think whatever you need to do to notice and appreciate the things that you currently have. And then the other side of that is, and I, I do this self-talk quite a bit, whatever you think somebody else has, they are having hardcore FOMO about something. And it might even be something that you have, right? Like yeah. the, the person it's so cliche, but the mom who seems like she has it all together is for sure struggling. I mean, there's, there's no way she's not struggling with something. You may or may not know what it is. She may be covering it up via social media, or you just aren't aware of it. Um, but whatever, when we're having that, especially the social media induced FOMO of the pretty house and the nice vacations and all of that, it just, we have to remember that we are not seeing the whole story and that, that, that person is well acquainted with the feeling of FOMO. They absolutely are. I want to back up really quick and talk about the gratitude thing again, because Mm -hmm. I know that Sarah and I both, we both resist sometimes things (laughs) that feel trendy. Yeah. Yeah, We both, Mm -hmm. we don't like to jump on board and then the gratitude thing. So I have, I have definitely, I journal and that's how I work through a lot of these things, but I don't like sit down and go every day, you know, today Mm -hmm. I'm grateful for. So if, if you're also resistant to that, I, one thing that has been helpful for me is to like literally go back in time and say, what would 25 year old Megan have wanted? from her life. Mm -hmm. And then to look at like, where was I then? And where am I now? And could I even have imagined that this is what I would have accomplished by then? Like, Mm -hmm. no, I would actually be blown away. Mm -hmm. So that it's like, that really helps because you also see how, excuse me, how satisfaction is such a moving target. Yes. And you get something and then you are already over it and you want the next thing. That's so human. And we all do it. Um, but it doesn't, it's not accurate. Like Mm -hmm. you have to back up and see the big picture and like the path that you've taken and the the dips and the struggles and the challenges and how you've overcome them. And they're so easy to forget, even in a, even in a more finite, like when you and I are talking about, like when we'll say, Oh, remember when we were just launching the show and we were trying to do this or that thing. And then we'll be like, when was that again? And then we look back and see how much we actually did Mm -hmm. in a year. We're always like, wow. Yeah. Because when it's happening, you don't notice what you're doing doing right you don't really see it we need it somebody is. celebrating our milestones like we celebrate our kids you know yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. no totally yeah, just to and sometimes your friends can be really good at that too mm-hmm. like sometimes if you're feeling like really like you can't see it you mm-hmm. can ask a friend and they'll be like no of course you did this these are all the things you did and I I to me that's more useful than a than me trying to sit down and go today I am grateful for right no I think that's really good and I think it's all it's all related I mean all mm-hmm. of this self-awareness is is good. Um, and I think uh, you kind of said this, but 
FOMO and jealousy is another, you know, kind of form of this is can be a very instructive and a great motivator to do something that you that you really would benefit from. So I guess what I mean by it is if if it's a general social FOMO, like you're not being included or you wish your life was this way, that's a little different. But let's say that you have FOMO about, um, you know, painting your front door yellow and hanging a really pretty wreath on it. That might be like an achievable project. Megan, you said you're really project oriented. That might be a motivator to then take the next step and get the thing you fear you're missing out on. Like, you know, go do that thing. And, And I think what stops a lot of us is the overwhelm of kind of feeling like we're, we're missing out on all of it, but maybe there's one thing of that. Maybe it's that you sign up for a photography class because you Mm -hmm. feel like everybody's pictures are great or whatever. And maybe there is something you can do for yourself, um, that's actionable and tangible and really does, you know, move you forward in a meaningful way, not just to keeping up in the Joneses way. So I think it can be a a motivator too, if it's kind of harnessed in the right way. Let's just talk really quick about envy. Um, because I think envy, first of all, gets, um, conflated with jealousy. They're not the same thing. Okay. Well then define those for me because maybe I'm not clear. Yes, I will in a sec. And then envy also is is given a bad rap. And I actually have found envy to be useful at times. So envy is when you want something someone else has. Okay. Jealousy is when you're afraid you're going to lose something you have. Oh, I don't think I ever understood that. I think I actually looked it up when I was blogging a lot because I was very confused about the difference between the two things. And like for me, envy had some, so envy had sometimes been to me a useful thing, like Mm -hmm. in my career. Um, I'm not a very jealous person. But I did sometimes I look at something cool someone had accomplished and go, oh, I really want that. Like, I want that thing that they did. I want they they were able to write this amazing book. And I I want to feel Mm -hmm. that feeling. Right. Mm -hmm. So I would envy that thing. And then it would motivate me to kind of try to figure out how I could also have that thing. It really wasn't a negative emotion because I could also be very happy for them at the same time. So that's such a good clarification. So jealousy would be like someone has taken or might take what you have. So you might be jealous in a relationship of someone who's closer to your bestie than you are. That would be jealousy because because you're threatened. You're threatened. But Mm -hmm. I think sometimes when we look at what other people have, this is where it gets a little confusing, but I'm going to do my best to muddle through. I think sometimes our brains take what is actually envy and turn it into jealousy because we perceive that if that person has it, I can't. So like if you tomorrow, you know, redecorated your living room, right? And I loved it. I might be a little envious and think, oh man, that I would love to have a a living room that was so beautiful, good for Sarah. Or my brain, my lizard brain, my reptilian (laughs) brain could go a step further. And and sometimes it's imperceptible. Like we don't even know we're doing it, Mm -hmm. but it's like, because Sarah has that, I can't. Yeah. Because she has something I don't have that allowed her to get that. Like I've now taken this thing that I want. And because you have it, I've made it as something that I can't have. It's just this weird yeah. thing that our brain, it's like a trick yeah. that our brains do. But I think it's important because to me, envy doesn't have to be negative. Like it can be really positive motivator if we look at it in the right spirit. And, um, and it, it's because I don't want to take away your living room. Right. I want you to have that. Right. Like I want you to have success. I want you to have happy kids. So I want you to have all those good things. But if I start feeling like if you have them for some reason now, I can't have them, then I don't really want you to have them, do I? Yes. Because I want them for me. Okay, my mind is blown because I really (laughs) didn't ever know or understand or even think about the difference. Yeah. So I I just think it's useful sometimes if if you look at what someone else has and and the Mm -hmm. feeling is more negative than good for them. Like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Ask yourself why. I love that. I I can't solve it. But no. <laughs> it's a good question to ask, though. Well, I have one more question that I think would be great to end on. And maybe we can just both answer briefly. But do you have any kids in your five who experience FOMO at a at a higher degree than others? Or has there have there been times when you've had to parent a kid experiencing FOMO and just look it straight in the eye from the other side as a mom? Uh Oh, yeah. Like. Sure. They all do. For, they all have different, very different kinds of FOMO. Um, I would say just to throw this, just to throw the three younger ones out under the bus here. Yeah. Clara has like, like she has kind of um, what other people are doing 
FOMO. Okay. So she really, and because she's the youngest, I think that's a very typical thing. She sees her older siblings doing cool things Mm -hmm. and she wants to be like, hers is more experiential. She wants to be experience, experiencing those things, excelling at those things. She like has a couple YouTubers that she's really into and she wants to like already have had like a YouTube career and she's Mm -hmm. 10 years old and I don't (laughs) want her to even like have an account, you know? So um, that's one. Owen, I think is more possession. Ah, yeah. He really wants what other people have. He wants a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Um, He is the one who will come to me like the minute he has money in his hand and go, so there's this thing that I've been looking at and now I have $20 and can I buy it? Like, like he already knows, like in his mind, he already has it all figured out. And then for Will, it's social. Mm -hmm. He's my most social kid and he cannot miss a party. Like his, his brain is a calendar of social events and dates. <laughs> and he's really good at keeping up with everything because it's very important to him. Uh-huh. Um, and he's going to be a sophomore. So it's, it's natural, but he's always been that way. Yeah. So like in his mind, he'll come to me like really, really proactively because he knows that like his dad and I, we have opposite schedules and sometimes things get missed because he's got a an event here, but John's already planned something for him to do that weekend. So he will very proactively come to me and say, okay, so on the 20th, it's Hayden's <laughs> birthday party. I'm going to leave in the morning. I'm going to go to the party. I'll be back that night. Then I know we have a camping trip the next day. So I'll make sure that I'm home early enough. Like, like he's, he's like got it the all family social out. director. He is. That's very he convenient. Really it is. Well, it's convenient. Cause, well, it's convenient for him. Yeah. <laughs> he, he really only manages his own yeah. calendar. Right. But it, it is useful because he's the busiest and yeah. he manages it. I don't really have to do much, but drive him. Yeah. Which yeah. is helpful. That's so, so I don't know what about. So, so when you say like, have I, I guess my, the only way I manage it is just to have to sometimes say we can't do that thing right now and it's yeah. going to be okay. Yeah. Like, you know, like Owen right now is not the time for you to spend the last $20 you have on this thing. What would happen if you waited 24 hours yeah. or 48 hours, maybe something else would come up. You want that money for more. Um, and then with Clara, it's like right now it's a lot of saying no to Clara and I hate it, but I, yeah. you know, yeah. she can't do it all. Welcome to motherhood. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What um, about your kids? Well, I mean, the one who comes most top, of mind is Violet. She's the youngest and her FOMO is just the classic FOMO. We've talked on the show about she really has a very hard time playing by herself or being by herself when in fact she has a great imagination and she, I think if she could settle into it, I've given her lots of opportunities to learn to play on her own, but to her, if there is fun to be had elsewhere with her older siblings, she must be in the middle of it. And it causes a lot of, you know, sibling strife and it causes her to, we've talked about this to almost like have hurt feelings before anybody has even hurt her feelings. Like, yep. and then, and then have such be, a classic younger. Yeah, exactly. Thing, yeah. And so that's like, that's like FOMO in all capital letters, like tattooed on her forehead. So I had to think about what, what it looks like in the other two. Um, Reed is my very kind of inflexible, like, more like me type of personality. And so for him, what would feel like FOMO would be when plans change or things don't go what he's expecting. So his, he's always, you can see it in his face. He has a fear of missing out on the thing that he's expecting. So Mm. changing plans or having to stay flexible is really hard for him. And he's nine, he's gotten a lot better and we've worked on it, but it's almost like an anticipatory FOMO. That's what I was going to say. So he thinks it's going to go awry even before anything has gone awry. Yeah. Or if there's one little hint, you know, we're running late, so we might not get to do that thing. His, his mind is in full panic. So that's like a different thing that we've worked, worked through. And like, gosh, I'm trying to think of the way she experiences FOMO. It's going to start being, it's going to start happening because she's going into Mm -hmm. middle school. Social dynamics are changing. Um, she does not, she does not like to be late or to miss things that would be fun. I mean, that's, that's kind of classic FOMO with her friends, but I can't think of, I think I'll have to get back to you on that one. Yeah. Maybe well, and just, it's sometimes I, like with the older two, I really wasn't coming up with anything. So yeah. it might just be, they're just normal. Yeah. Yeah. She's pretty even <laughs> keel. <just> normal. <laughs> no Unlike kids. Like the rest of us. No kids are normal. That's <laughs> true. Um, okay. Well, we are going to wrap up, but just um, another welcome to our new listeners who came over from Coffee and Crumbs. We're so glad you popped over. Hopefully you will stick around, subscribe to our show um, in the show notes, which are at themomhour.com. And this is episode 219 we will link up all the places to find us we're just the mom hour on social we're pretty easy to find so be sure to say hello if you come find us um i will also link up a couple of other 
episodes you might want to check out next in our show notes. And we have a page just for new listeners. It's at themomhour.com slash new. Um, and we always round up our favorite episodes kind of by age and stage on that page. So if you're looking for more, our archives are a bit daunting. We're like over the, I don't know, <laughs> 300 with all of our bonuses oh, yep. and stuff. So um, yeah. And then um, longtime listeners, we're glad you're here too. And thanks for sticking around. Megan, this was really fun. This was really fun. I'll talk to you guys soon. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. And if you haven't already, head over to coffeeandcrumbs.net slash podcast. There you'll find all the episodes of the Coffee and Crumbs podcast, including the one on motherhood and FOMO, which is available today. You can also check out Coffee and Crumbs wherever you're listening to this podcast and be sure to subscribe to their show. Check them out if you haven't already. And Coffee and Crumbs is also on Instagram at Coffee and Crumbs. We had so much fun collaborating with Indiana Ashley and April on this little pairing of podcasts. Let us know what you think. Shoot us an email and definitely go check out their show as well. Thanks, everybody. Guess what, Megan? Over 10,000 teens are already using our sponsor, Erica, to help them unplug. That is amazing. Erica, that's Erica with a K, is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug whenever they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. It's so cool how this works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Yeah, you know, teens really get that social media comes with risks, including addiction. And Erica helps them build healthy habits in self-regulation that will benefit them their whole lives. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code the mom hour to save 20%. Sarah, I started a Substack last spring just kind of as an experiment, and it turns out I love it. I'm treating it kind of like an old school blog, writing about things that are happening in my life. Megan, I've loved following your stuff on Substack, and I actually just really like Substack in general. You know, we've both been a lot less active on Instagram lately, and I'm finding that Substack scratches that itch to connect and create without all the busyness of a typical social media feed. So I would love it if Mom Hour listeners wanted to look me up there. I'm at meganfrancis.substack.com, and that's Megan with two A's, M-E-A-G-A-N francis.substack.com.